Hey, hey, it's episode 28 of Black Tomatoes here at Black Hollywood Live. Oscar Isaac is in Operation Finale with a little Nazi action. We got Ken, which is produced by Michael B. Jordan, showing the wonderful Miles Truitt. And we are going to discuss in detail the 25th anniversary of the Five Heartbeats, y'all. Stay tuned. This is my song. Yes. This is Black Tomatoes here at Black Hollywood Live. And what you are hearing in the background is Nights Like This from the movie The Five Heartbeats, directed by directed and starring and written by Robert Townsend. We love some Robert Townsend here at Black Hollywood Live. We do, we do, we do. But we'll talk about The Five Heartbeats a little later. Right now, I am your host, Carla Renata, and I am joined by somebody that's really wonderful, and we'll talk about him a little more in depth and how we became the Met. But I'm joined by Xavier Thomas. Say hello, Xavier. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say real quick, that I'm so happy that you're here. I'm, I'm happy so happy here. that you could join us. Really, really happy. And I'm just going to preface everything by saying I actually met Xavier online. Mm-hmm. Xavier online. Why do I keep saying Xavier? What is wrong with it's me? All good. My mouth is not Comes working right today. Comes in many forms and shapes and colors. <laughs> Xavier, Zay, Xavier, Zay, Zay. I understand. Javier. I, I understand. I've been called <laughs> Corinthia, so I get it. Um, <laughs> but um, we actually met online mm-hmm. through an app called Stardust. Yes. And Stardust is an app where movie reviewers and critics like me and you mm-hmm. can go on and give like these 30 second uh, teasers to yes. what we think about our reactions yes. to what we think about movies. And I absolutely love that app for that reason. I reached out to you. I was like, yo, come on over to Black Tomatoes. You were like, I'm there. I'm down. Let's and, do it. And I'm so happy that you're here because as I mentioned, well, I didn't mention, but my regular co-host, my regular uh, guest, co- guest co-host, Scott Menzel, he and his lovely wife, Ashley Menzel, they are at the Telluride Film Festival this week. Yes. And then tomorrow, tomorrow, next week, I will be joining them in Toronto for the Toronto International Film Festival, which I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about you. How did you get involved in film criticism? Um, well, I was well, funny enough. Um, I moved to L.A. two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I live in uh, Maryland, DMV raised. And. It was always something I just loved. I love TV. I was more into TV than movies at the time. I love that you said DMV Rays. So just for those who don't know, DMV is District Maryland, Virginia, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and um, and so I just watched TV all the time, and I realized that I had no one to talk about it with because no one watched what I watched, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I'm about a good percentage of it was LGBT related, mm-hmm. and so, you know, not having a platform to talk about it with was, uh, eh, it was, it was a little, it was saddening. Mm-hmm. Um but then, full circle story here, uh, I got introduced to AfterBuzz um, yeah. online. That's, that's, yeah, that's, and um, I spent, and I worked as a janitor um, at a gym, and every night, overnight, I would listen to the episodes to the shows that I would, you know, watch. Oh. And so... So you a fan. I'm a fan, girl. Yes. You. So <laughs> it, No, so literally just, just being in my bed, watching this, or being at uh, work, plunging a toilet, and then hearing, you know... You did not say plunging plung, a toilet. Just hearing, you know, just hearing people talk about film and TV, and, and then it escalating to, you know, uh, Black Hollywood Live, The Beat, you know, Roxy Stryer, Jesse Jenner. I know all these people, and so... 
just being able to be here is, is a blessing. And Aww. so thank you so much for that. Because it's, it's a full circle story. Because when I moved here, um, I knew I wanted to get into movie criticism. I knew I wanted to talk about movies. I don't really like to say critic only because I don't I don't put so much into the name of the characters, the plot, the cinematography. I liked what I'm feeling out of it, you know, what I'm getting out of it um, emotionally or socially, was it doing for the world as an art form? And so uh, I was working full-time here mm-hmm. um, in L.A., first year, <laughs> bunk bed and all. And said bunk bed and all. It, it, it's, it's real life. And um, I'm just scratching and surviving. And I, at the time, I wanted to get into YouTube, but I think YouTube at this point has become oversaturated. Not only that, but there's a standard now when it comes to YouTube, you got to have the lights. Even meme videos have, like, productions attached to them. And so I didn't have the money for that. And Mm. so um, someone that I used to know, uh, she sent me a Craigslist post of (laughs) Stardust. And um, at the time, they just started. Mm -hmm. And I just saw the genius in it. I love marketing and all shapes and sizes. But I know that mobile phones are... Vine, basically. It's the new Vine. I, right. I think um, mobile uh, activity is going to be popular. That's why Instagram says IGTV. That they do all these like Instagram Snapchats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for 30 seconds, all I have to do is talk about something that I love. Mm-hmm. And there's only so many times I can react and say, this movie's awesome. This movie's great. This movie's awful. This movie's like, but why? you know what I loved about your reactions mm-hmm. on that app is that you... you actually have it down to an art because it's very difficult to encompass and capsulize a movie in 30 seconds. Like, it's really hard. Yes. Especially if it's a movie with a lot going on. And you're really, really gifted at doing that, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you to come here. You're really gifted at that. And I really liked what you had to say, and I like what you... The manner in which you said it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's I, I love that. I love it for that reason. Well, criticism, movie critics are is popping now. It, mm-hmm. It's big. It's booming. But mm-hmm. I think now <laughs> we, we got people who are, and this is no shade, but I just feel like we're trying to outthink the film mm-hmm. instead of just enjoying the film mm-hmm. and taking what the film is trying to give us. If the film's bad, then yes, we can say it's bad, but. Were there elements to it that maybe people didn't see or something? Involved, you know, taking something from my life and putting it into the video. So with Stardust, I just saw it as like this platform where for 30 seconds I can, you know, give them a piece of my history, mm-hmm. um, give them a piece of, you know, my mind to how I think about movies. I'm a very emotional being. I live in my emotions. And so... No, really? Yes. And so... <laughs> and so I, I think it's important that when I'm talking to my audience, it's not so bland or you know formulaic i want to give them if it's bad i can say it's bad if it's if it's good i can say it's good but i also want to give them some neutrality i think sometimes a movie isn't isn't meant to just be rated good or bad it's it's meant to be felt and uh like moonlight i think would be a perfect example Mm -hmm. of something that's meant to be felt i don't want to break it down i don't i, I want to feel it because that's my life mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. um and so with stardust it's just a way for me to build an audience really fast not have a production attached to it and being able to grow my audience the way that you know works for me especially when i'm working like 50 hours a week you know mm-hmm. trying to build uh you know keep myself with a bed and home yeah mm-hmm. exactly and so uh critics like I, I i'd like to say enthusiasts movie enthusiasts tv enthusiasts there's just so much i going- like that yeah i, I say enthusiasts I, I feel good watching film i was raised on film i was raised on tv it taught me a lot about me just uh just growing up under a lot of turmoil and and and, and issues but you know uh movie shows like boy meets world taught me about integrity you know power rangers taught me about teamwork uh 
you know, um, Queer as Folk and uh, Noah's Ark taught me about, you know, the fact that I am gay. And, and, and so it, 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 it opened up my eyes to see the world as it is. That's what media does. You know, media yes, is supposed to give you a voice um, to the voiceless. And so, you know, for a long time, we've had people telling our stories. We have people telling us how we should think. And now we have an avenue where we can tell people what we think. And so I want to utilize that in 30 seconds, which is not easy. <laughs> no, but you, you do a really good job but, at it. Yeah. So that's why I invited you Thank here. You. And I'm so happy that you, you accepted the invitation. So let's talk about this movie, Ken. <sighs> okay. So, like I said in the intro, Ken is produced by Michael B. Jordan. It stars Miles Truitt. Dennis Quaid has a brief little moment in yes. there. Zoe Kravitz is yes. in there for a brief second. So much goodness. Yes. And, you know, what I thought the movie was going to be about was... In the trailer, you see this gun, you see all this sci-fi yummy goodness happening, and then it ends up being this story about these two adoptive brothers and how they're running away from these killers over some money, which I didn't see coming, and you would think that I would be refreshed by (laughs) being tricked in the trailer, but I kind of was not. Mm -hmm. But what I did enjoy about Ken was I immensely enjoyed Zoe Kravitz's performance. Yes. Oh, I love her. Love her. Me too, because Zoe Kravitz is one of those people that she's very under the radar. She's on that show, Pretty Little, not Pretty Little Lies. Pretty, uh, no, Big, Big Little, Little Lies. <laughs> Big Little Lies. She's on that Big show, Little Lies, yes. Big Little Lies with Nicole Kidman and uh, Shailene Woodley and Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. on HBO. She's on that show, but she's one of those people that kind of floats under the radar mm-hmm. and she's really, really, really talented. Mm-hmm. And I think people kind of don't pay attention to her because she is... Lenny Kravitz's daughter, but do not sleep on Zoe Kravitz. She got she stay skills. paid. She, got she stay skills. getting booked. She, she got booked. skills. <laughs> she, she get she got skills. But I enjoyed her performance, and I really enjoyed Miles Truitt's performance because his performance as well. It lent itself script wise to be big, over the top, and crazy, and he was really grounded throughout the entire movie. Yeah, and this is a young man that we he's been on Atlanta. Yep. He's been on Queen Sugar. Yep. He's been on all these other shows working with these masterful, legendary actors. And he's only 16 years old. So that's what I did yeah. like. What I didn't like was that I got tricked in the trailer thinking it was one <laughs> yes. thing and it turned out to be something else. So that's yep. how I feel about it. How do you feel about it? Um, do you remember the movie Slate? Um, it's about, oh, I can't remember the the uh, main character's name, but basically it was about a drug dealer. Um, but the marketing was um, marketed as he had some special telekinetic ability mm-hmm. and um, and you want, that's what drew you to the film. But the whole movie was basically about him going through the moral dilemma of being a drug dealer. And then when it got to the end is when things actually started like coming into fruition with the uh, telekinesis. But then once it did, it stopped and ended. And that's how I felt with About Ken. Ken. I felt like it gave me... It, it, it's, it's nothing like... It's basically two films, three plots, and one movie. And so I felt like... All right, it's one thing. It's fine if you can give me this road trip that happened in the middle. I was totally fine with that, but market it so. That's not how you marketed it. That's what I'm you saying. Get, you put the trailer tricked it. you. You put glitter on it. You put lights on it. You put, like, <laughs> uh, foghorn saying, hey, this is, like, going to really make you, like, love this movie. And I was down for it. And so him finding this weapon, a space weapon, 
in the beginning, you're like, okay, cool. And then you see these two mysterious figures trying to, it's, it's, it's almost like Terminator-ish, almost like this, this, these mysterious figures trying to get to this person. You don't know why. Right. And then you're like, okay, let's do it. All right. Then you get to this brother plot line and it's not like it's bad. Well, the, I didn't like the, the writing for the brother. I didn't like how he treated the um Miles Chewitt's character I didn't like him at, at all um when I was at the- I didn't ca- I, I didn't have a problem with him he reminded me though so much of 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 Chris Platt Platt he reminded me of Chris, Chris. Pratt yeah he mm-hmm. reminded me of the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy he reminded me of a younger hungrier version of him and I'm like mm. I didn't like what he did with the character he through the whole middle of the movie it's just a road trip mm-hmm. it's basically just um them trying to get to a certain place. Uh, I'm trying not to spoil anything. Um, yeah, okay. Well, they're trying to get to Tahoe because um, the char- one of the characters died. And so through that hole, he's playing with the weapon. He's, you know, touching it and, you mm-hmm. know. and But it has nothing. And you still see the two figures just on motorcycles. Just a random scene of them just driving cro- down the road. Basically was, saying he's, they're on their way. It's crazy. It was ridiculous. And yeah. so what annoyed me was that... I didn't like how this brother basically was not tainted, but he manipulated this boy. He basically made him into a killer, a robber. And what's ironic was when I was at the premiere, the directors, they spoke on Miles as saying, you know, reputation, representation matters. It's important to, you know, have these have these characters of different uh, colors on the screen, not playing stereotype roles like gangsters. But he was. But he was. But ooh, but he was that, and so this boy is literally fourteen, fifteen years old in the in the movie, and he's robbing people, he's killing people, and I'm supposed to feel for this brother relationship when I feel like you need to get out. This is abusive relationship. This is a low key abusive relationship, and, and then he lied about what happens with the dad. He lied for for a long time. For he didn't tell him that his dad was, ki- and then you get to the third act where the two figures find them both and then you get a nice amazing CGI effect and then you get a question and then you get this crazy ending the ending we won't tell you what the ending is y'all but the ending is crazy it's crazy so mm. now that we have both said what we feel about Ken mm. on Netflix and you can find it is streaming right now on Netflix now that we have said what we feel about it go to Netflix check it out hit me up in the chat room hit me up on Twitter mm-hmm. hit hit Xavier up on Twitter let us know what you think but at the end of the show, we will give you what our tomato rating is of that film mm. on a scale from one to five. Mm. Moving on to the next film. <laughs> mm. I know it's a lot. It's a lot, lot, lot going on. So there's this film called Operation Finale. It stars Oscar Isaac and Sir Ben Kingsley. Love them both for mm-hmm. a variety oh, of different Oscar. reasons. Love and Oscar it is Isaac. based oh on a real story about Adolf Eichmann who was one of Adolf Hitler's lieutenants, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And somehow he ends up escaping all of that and moves to Argentina where eventually they find him out and he is arrested, gone to trial, and then he he gets hanged. And and this is a true story. So let's just take a little look-see at this trailer real quick. Adolf Eichmann. The architect of the final solution? The trail went cold in 46. Latest intelligence suggests Buenos Aires. This guy convinced rabbis to load the trains themselves. And not by force, 
If it is him, we need an elite crew. I'm not joining your hit squad. I would happily put a bullet in between his eyes, but that's not what we're doing here. This is strictly catch and extract. And that's pretty much what the movie is, is catch and extract. They're trying to catch this criminal. And this is the problem that I have with Operation Finale. I know that you did not see it. And I'm usually like all rainbow sunshine and lollipops here at Black Tomatoes. I'm very, if Scott was here right now, he would be having a nervous breakdown at the fact that there were two (laughs) movies that I actually said I didn't like. Because I usually like everything. However, like I said, love Sir Bing Kingsley. Love Oscar Isaac. This the casting of this movie is exceptional. They mm-hmm. got some real heavyweights in this movie. But this is the thing. The whole process of them catching him wasn't that long. The process of them letting him go and going through the trial wasn't that long. But the process of keeping him under duress, trying to get him to admit that he committed these crimes went on forever. And I was just like, ooh, can we just get to this a little bit quicker? It was it was kind of, while I appreciate what they were doing with this movie, while I appreciate that this is a true story that I had never heard of and a lot of people had never heard of, you know, and while this is another story yet about the Holocaust and shenanigans that happened during that time, I feel like this story probably could have just been a documentary and not a feature film. That's how I feel about mm-hmm. about Operation Finale. So that's my feeling about that. And i hoping that I'm wrong. So, so Look, I, you know. I, these types of films, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm, I like talking about movies, but I have to have a genuine curiosity for them. And I love Oscar Isaacs. I love Ben Kingsley. This, just looking at the trailer for it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't really, I'm not really into, it's just, I'm not attached to it at all. I just don't feel attached to it. I'm normally into those types of films that have, have almost like a twist. Something like Spike mm-hmm. Lee related or Quentin Tarantino related. Because mm-hmm. like they know how to put some pizzazz into the past. Mm-hmm. And I want to sound pretentious saying, I don't I, I don't live in the past. I live in the future. You know, I, I just, but I just. I yeah, just, and this is the thing. Mm-mm. I think the past, this is the thing. I think the past is important because if you don't recognize the past, you can't move on in Mm -hmm. the future. You cannot. That's why stories about slavery and the Holocaust and all those things are important. It's important that we never forget and that we always acknowledge what happened because when we don't acknowledge what happened, then that's when history has the opportunity to repeat itself. Mm, Absolutely. So having said that, I just felt like... The movie was a slow burn. I liked the performances, but it was just a slow burn for me. So I will give my tomato review of that at the (laughs) the end of the show, which, you know, I'm just saying right Mm. now, it might not be lovely. So what we're going to do is we have two segments that we are introducing here at Black Hollywood Live. One is the indie pick of the week or the stream pick of the week. And the other one is like a filmversary. I'm I'm making a new one. I'm calling it (laughs) filmversary. And this week's filmversary... And basically, let me backtrack a little bit. So when we do a film verse, we're basically going to talk about a film that is having an iconic anniversary, whether it's five years, 10 years, 15, 20, you know, so on and so forth. And talk about the film, talk about what it meant at the time that it came out, talk about how it's held up over a period of time, how we feel about it now, that kind of thing. So this week's film verse is the Robert Townsend starer, directed, um, written movie the film heart the film heartbeats the five heartbeats the five heartbeats is one of my favorite movies ever and i've interviewed robert townsend before and i've told him that it's like my favorite movie 
forever because I love those films where they do the throwbacks to the old, yeah, yeah, the old groups from the 60s yeah. and stuff, you know. And I specifically wanted to pay homage to it because right here in Los Angeles, there is a show that is on tour that's headed to Broadway called Ain't Too Proud to Beg. It is the life and times of the temptations and the five heartbeats is very similar Mm -hmm. to that story. Now I heard through the grapevine that there have been over 200 million clips shared of this movie online. For the five heartbeats? For the five heartbeats. Over 200 million clips have been shared of the five heartbeats. I mean, it's a classic. It is a classic. <laughs> I saw um, Robert Townsend do an interview about it, and he talked about the fact that most the the movie was based on a lot of different things, but mostly based on the life of David Ruffin, who was the original lead singer for The Temptations. Mm-hmm. And he said that he attended he attended David Ruffin's funeral. Now, the reason I'm bringing this story up is because not only did Robert Townsend attend. David Ruffin's funeral, but he sat next to Aretha Franklin, who we lost this oh. week. And they, he said the funeral was over, and she turned to him and Michael, the guy who plays um, Eddie King in the mm-hmm. movie, turned to them and said, y'all hungry? Y'all want to eat? And Riri brought them back over to the house and made them like the soul food dinner of their life. And he said that he was trying to be polite, like his mama taught him, and not ask for seconds. But she was like, y'all want some more? Y'all still hungry? They were like, um, yes, please. And they said they ate their faces off for like the rest uh. of the afternoon. But I wanted to mention that. I also wanted to mention that Robert Townsend saw over 10,000 actors for the four heartbeats other than himself. Really, He saw 10,000 people, and it, it took him 10 years to make this movie. Wow. 10 years. So earlier this week at Fathom Events, mm-hmm. they sponsored a screening, a one-night-only screening of a documentary that Robert Townsend did called The Making of the Five Heartbeats. Because many people over the years have asked him, how did you make that film? Why did it take so long? How did you find Eddie King? How did you find this person? And the funny thing is, the people that are in the film now, Harry Lennox, um, Michael, who else was in it? Robert Townsend, uh, Tico Wells, all of these guys are really famous now. There are other people that had smaller parts that aren't as famous. Mm -hmm. The guy that played Big Red, he's really famous. Um, The other other dude that played the guy that they shook out the window. Oh, okay. Him, his his son, his his name is Fegan, Roy Fegan. His son is Roshan Fegan, and Roshan Fegan played my son on Shake It Up. So I was like, ooh, six degrees of separation, (laughs) I love it. But... Having said all of that, oh, and then another another tidbit before we we show something about the five heartbeats, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> we found out about Robert Townsend because Robert Townsend auditioned for Saturday Night Live. I did not know this. So Robert Townsend, aud- really, right? That's what I'm saying. So Robert Townsend auditioned for Saturday Night Live. It was between him and Eddie Murphy. They chose Eddie Murphy, and so Eddie Murphy knew that, and then he hired Robert Townsend to write. Um, that first stand-up comedy special that he did, Raw. Mm-hmm. So he hired... He, Robert Townsend didn't get SNL, but he got a job through Eddie Murphy, who he lost a gig to, which is, you know, phenomenal yeah. and fabulous in a whole different kind of way. And Robert Townsend was a Shakespearean actor who went to study in London, who was from Chicago, right? 
I became familiar with Robert Townsend because I used to watch him do stand-up on TV. He used to have these HBO specials, mm-hmm. and he would speak with this British accent. I thought, oh, he does that accent really good. I wonder how he does that. I was fascinated. I was I was the biggest geek over Robert Townsend that there was ever, ever, ever because I was fascinated by him. I'm truly learning right now because I was very young when the Five Hundreds came out, but I remember it being a big it deal in our household. Yeah. Not only that, but Robert Townsend, he did Meteor Man, which was my first black superhero. Oh, like, literally. And so, so, in just watching, I watch Me Man all the time, all the time. I did a review on it, <laughs> on actually. A loop. <laughs> on a loop. Like, I love it because it was just, you know, it, 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 it was very inspiring just, you know, seeing this man living, just being a teacher, living in the inner city, and then something happens to him and he just makes something out of it. And just seeing his entire, like, career. And I don't know much of him, but then, you know, when you hear, hear these things, you're Robert like, Townsend? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. well, let me enlighten yeah, you. Do it, please. I'm, girl, where's my pen and paper? <laughs> no, but no, that's that's all. He, um, he, he actually was a student at Illinois University, because I said he was from Chicago. Mm-hmm. He was a student at Illinois University, and he left Illinois University to pursue acting, and then look what happened. He actually had a really small part in a soldier story, the film that Denzel Washington mm-hmm. was in. I know that. And um, Adolf, Adolf Caesar was in it. And it was the, a bad movie. It was, that was the greatest movie it was ever. Great film. It, was, it mm-hmm. was a play um, that was produced by the Negro Ensemble Company in New York years ago. But anywho, he was in that movie, he had a really small part, and he was like, you know what? I am tired of being brother number three from the left. Yeah. So that's why he decided to write his own projects, and his first one was Hollywood Shuffle, and I think this was probably his second film after Hollywood Shuffle. So after saying all of that... I would really like to show a little bit of the original trailer from The Five Heartbeats. I think you guys have what it takes to go all the way to the top. A new film by Robert Townsend with a lot of music and a big heart. The Five Heartbeats. I want you on my label. Let's make a deal right now. We're going to go and record our first single. And I want a gold record. I saw it on the radio. I knew how. Oh, I got nothing but love for you guys. I got nothing Just five guys from the neighborhood who created a sound that rocked America. The Five Heartbeats. Now, the reason I wanted to show that in its entirety, I forgot about Leon being in that movie. And Leon went on to do Cool Running. Yeah. He played Little Richard in the movie. He's done lots of stuff since then. And Harold Nicholas, one of the Nicholas brothers, was in there playing their choreographer. This is why I thought it was important to acknowledge the five heartbeats. The five heartbeats at the time that it came out, there were shows on the air like, uh, um, shoot, what's the name of that show? Uh, New York Undercover. Mm-hmm. There were shows on the air like New York Undercover. There were shows on the air like 
The Wire on HBO. There were all these shows on the air that were showing black men in particular in a role that wasn't positive. Mm -hmm. They were playing drug addicts. They were playing killers. They were playing abusive husbands. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when The Color Purple came out, people felt some kind of way about that because that came out around the same time, too. And here is a movie where... We're showing these five men that come from very, very backgrounds, but the one thing that they had in common was music and show what that journey is for them and how getting that type of fame at a young age and not being cognizant of how it's going to affect you, how it can tear down each person's life individually. And some of them, it didn't tear down their lives, but a lot of them, it did. So I love that film for that reason. Those types of stories are important. Um, especially when it comes to back to the whole, you know, going back, living in the past. Sometimes you got to go back mm-hmm. to move forward. I mean, a lot of these movies, Five Heartbeats, Temptations, Jackson 5, they're now like, you know, very much uh, important as mm-hmm. far as in black culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think TLC, that movie that came out, mm-hmm. that was inspired by those films. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think it's really great to look back and see. Where, you know, the people have who started all and who has inspired kind of the new mm-hmm. here. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then what I wanted to say about the little girl that's singing in the movie, Tressa Thomas. She played Robert Townsend's little duck or duck is his character was called. Played his little sister. She's now 38 years old and she's a jazz singer now. And she's been in some a few movies. She was in Message in a Bottle and Flatliners. But she basically Flatliners. does jazz singing. And um, Michael Wright. Unfortunately for Michael Wright, life kind of imitates art with him a little bit. You know, he played this character in The Five Heartbeats that was very troubled, very much like the Dave, like the character he's based, like the person he's based on, mm-hmm. rather, David Ruffin. So I re- what I really want to do is Robert Townsend was doing a lot of press this past week um, in preparation for the making of The Five Heartbeats documentary, which was a one-night-only thing that they shared through Fathom Events earlier this week on the 27th of August. And I just want to play this little clip that kind of backs up what we just said about black men in the media. Anytime we do something that is not the norm, if I don't portray a crack dealer or a pimp, Mm -hmm. everybody says, you know, like, well, that's not real. A lot of people gave me negative criticism because it's the first time they had ever seen uh, black men bonded. You know, when you got a film like The Five Heartbeats Mm -hmm. and the people don't come out and support it, you know, then you're sending a message to Hollywood saying, well, we don't want to see ourselves in positive roles. So the roles aren't going to exist. They're not going to be there. So there's there's no answer for that unless you people come out and, you know, make your vote at the box office. Very good point. Very good point. Thank you. All right, so don't miss uh, Robert's new documentary, the film, uh, Making the Five Heartbeats. It's tonight in select theaters. There will be a meet and greet with Robert and Keenan Ivory Wayans tonight at AMC Century City 15. For tickets, go to fathomevents.com. Looks fabulous. So nice. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, it's in theaters all across Southern California. So please go check it out. And thank you guys for taking time to talk with me. Thank you. Well, actually, it's not tonight. That was the night that it happened on the 27th. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to let that play out. I love Robert Townsend. I love the fact that he does not wait for anyone to make an opportunity for him. He makes opportunities for himself. And I wholeheartedly appreciate him for that effort. I did not get an opportunity to see the making of the documentary, but hopefully one day I will because I'm a huge fan of Five Heartbeats and I'm an even more enormous fan of him. How old is Robert Townsend? 
I would imagine. He looks great. Doesn't he look good? He's aging like wine. I, <laughs> yeah, like for real. I would imagine Robert is probably in his fifties. I would he imagine. He looks great. I don't really. know. I would not believe you. You told me that was like yesterday. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because he, you know, and I, I've met him on a few occasions, and like I said, I've interviewed him. He's one of the most gracious mm-hmm. people. He's so nice. He's so grounded. He treats everybody like they're a star. I, I mean, nobody on. The face of the planet in the business has deserved as much accolades and as much um, good news and and good times as Robert Townsend has. Moving on to our next segment, we have something that we call the Indie Spotlight or the Indie Stream of the Week. And every week we're going to do this. We're going to talk about, you know, a film that's streaming on Amazon or Netflix or Hulu or whatever that we feel people should check out and see. So two things I want to mention. I saw this one documentary. You mentioned TLC earlier. Mm-hmm. I saw a documentary Documentary earlier. It's called Once in a Lifetime Sessions with TLC. And this is the thing. So we know that Lisa burned down the house. We know that they <laughs> went bankrupt. We know all this stuff about them. But when I watched that documentary, what I didn't know was that when they found out that they weren't getting all the money from these million-dollar tours that they were doing... They went over to Arista and they held Clive Davis hostage while he was having a meeting with Sean Puff Daddy Combs. Really? <laughs> when they said that, I was like, they said, they, I said, and I'm thinking, how did they get away with it? And Toure, who was interviewing them for this documentary, said the same thing. And they said that they told the receptions, don't let anybody in or anybody out. And eventually the police came and dragged them on out of, up oh, out of there wow. because, you know, they didn't uh-huh. know. They didn't know if the dolls had snapped or what. But um, it talks about TLC. And the reason why I'm recommending this particular one is because the movie industry, the the film industry, the recording industry, anybody that's considering acting, anyone that's considering any type of lane of the entertainment industry, whether it's songwriting or any of the things that I just mentioned, these dolls are giving some really sage advice about what that is based on the things that they've learned through their journey and their experience. And for that reason alone, other than nostalgia, I think people should check it out. Mm -hmm. So it's called Once in a Lifetime Sessions. It's based around TLC and it's streaming on Netflix now. And then this month in September, another thing that I feel people should check out is a film that's based on a book, one of my favorite books. It's called Napoli Ever After. Mm -hmm. It stars Sanaa Lathan. She's starring in it. She's producing it. It also is on Netflix. And it's about this woman whose identity was basically done through her hair. She was one of these black Mm -hmm. women that she felt like her self-worth was all in her hair. And then she has this breakup with this man and she had like a little breakdown and was like, I'm just going to cut all my hair off. And she began to notice that there was a drastic difference in how people treated her based on how long her hair was. Right. And I'm like, ooh, that in itself is a really good movie to watch for black women. hair. Right? Mm-hmm. India Ari. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, those two things on Netflix Napoli Ever After and Once in a Lifetime Sessions with TLC. Check those out on Netflix. Now, but I had to holler. I tee hee heed when they told, when they talked about holding Clive. Clive Davis hostage. I can just, if you've seen Clive Davis, you can only imagine what his face must have been looking like when these three little girls walked him in and they were like, yo, so where's our money? <laughs> <laughs> I hollered. And now, the other segment that we always do is we talk about some black tomato news. Yes. And um, there's a few little items that I saw that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So the first one is Dion Taylor, who's the director of Traffic. He is set to direct the Sony Screen Gems film Exposure off of Peter Dowling's spec, which was 
um, acquired by the label a year ago as Deadline reported exclusively. That y'all know Deadline.com. Mm-hmm. Um, exposure follows a rookie Detroit African American female cop. I love that she's female. <laughs> who stumbles upon corrupt officers who are murdering a drug dealer in incident captured by her body cam. They pursue her through the night in an attempt to destroy the footage, but to make matters worse, they've tipped off a criminal gang that she's responsible for, that's, that she thinks is responsible for the dealer's death. So we'll see how that comes out. But I like Deion What's Taylor. The name of it? It's called Exposure. Exposure. Well, uh, what network? It's a feature film. It's a feature film. It's oh, a feature okay. film. So I don't know what studio is attached to it right now, mm-hmm. but I know it's a feature film directed by Deion Taylor. Exposure. And Deion Taylor is an independent filmmaker, very much like Robert Townsend. So he does it through his own company. So I'm looking forward to see how that's going to come out. Now, this is another thing. I'm not sure if you were aware of this. So Alec Baldwin, first he was in the Joker movie, then he was out of the Joker movie. And it was all, it, mm-hmm. most of the week they were like, oh, Alec Baldwin's in, Alec Baldwin's in. And then like on Friday they were like, Alec Baldwin's out. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what happened? And, I, and, they, and they build it in such a way where you thought for a minute he was going to be the Joker because I was like that would be interesting for Alec Baldwin to be the Joker That's, but no he's no. not he's actually he was actually slated to play Bruce Wayne's father but now mm-hmm. he's not in the project all together how do you feel about that I don't like the project at all um <laughs> personally no it's like I'm, I'm really kind of I'm You're over like, and I'm over, I'm over Joker I think I'm over like I, Batman has a lot of rogues he has a lot of <laughs> villains and we keep using and recycling over and over the again Joker. Joker and so am I gonna watch it yes obviously but like I'm just not excited for it. I just don't care at all about Joker. And I feel like you guys are just trying to get to that Dark Knight uh, uh, feel, that that Heath Ledger type Joker that you're never going to get to. Mm -hmm. And I think that instead of just trying to, you know, make another Oscar-worthy movie, let's just focus on, like, Poison Ivy, Catwoman. Let's focus on something else that... Riddler, you know, I, I, there's just so much you know, you I'd like doing. To, I'd like to see a film around the Riddler. I think that would be Riddler's funny. Riddler's amazing. I mean, it's just... I, I, but you're absolutely right. They do focus on the Joker a lot from a, the Batman lot. franchise. A lot. Yeah, they do. A lot. Even Suicide Squad deals a little bit with the Joker, it, yeah? And, well, that's another example of mismarketing, where you make the movie think it's one thing, mm-hmm. you know, where you thought Suicide Squad was about Joker. Joker is literally a side plot. And... With that, it's just make better decisions, DC. I'm sorry, that's 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 negative, but let's just make better decisions. decisions. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, and moving on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do have a recommendation for a movie oh, uh, coming okay. out. It's not please, on Netflix, but it's coming out share. Uh, in a month from actually the end of the month called Assassination Nation. Oh yeah, it's, I know that movie. I, I got to I see it at Sundance. Got to see it. Yes, okay. And that's um, a crazy movie. It's a great movie. I loved it. It's it's a modern take on um, the Salem witch trials. Uh, there's a hacker. I won't spoil anything, but there's a hacker that unleashes uh, everyone's personal information. And just seeing, just think of it. I think of it as like an experiment, like a social experiment mm-hmm. of just you know how suddenly your truth just comes out into the light mm-hmm. and you don't know how to react and it's either fight or flight mm-hmm. and just seeing people react in those matter like teachers kids and the whole neighborhood you know reacting off of you know their own darkness coming out into the light I, I think it's amazing and it's so artsy it's very well done it felt like there was like a multitude of directors doing uh like having multiple ideas mm-hmm. because like every scene is different than the next mm-hmm. and uh the cinematography is amazing mm-hmm. and uh where can we find it it's it's going it's coming out uh september 21st i mm-hmm. believe is it mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna stream or is it no, it's gonna be on it's gonna be in theaters okay. theater, but i saw it early and it just it stuck with me it stuck me so much and i gave it a five out of five out of that so okay yeah. mm-hmm. all right so um the other thing that's coming out thank you for sharing that yeah. the other thing that's coming out is 
is, you know, the Broadway musical Cats, which is one of the longest running musicals <laughs> ever on the Broadway. Really? <laughs> ever. Um, Cats is slated for a December 20th, 2019 release. They're making it into a feature film and it's being produced by Universal Pictures. What is Cats even about? Oh, Lord, child, this is when I know you're like 12. Okay, so Cats Cats is based on the T.S. Eliot book, Cats. Mm-hmm. And it was a musical. It was a really, the book was highly popular. Uh, T.S. Eliot's Cats was as popular as the Harry Potter franchises in England. And then they took that premise and made it into a Broadway musical. It's The song Memory came out of that. It made Betty Buckley a star because she was the older cat, Grizabella, that sang Memory. Betty Buckley was on a show called, um, I can't remember now. Eight, I think it's called Eight is Enough. I think it was called Eight is Enough. So these people going to be in like cat suits? Yeah, they're in cat. They're dressed like cats. And Go they- look it up, child. Go look it up. on. It's, it's, trust me. And this going to be a feature film? It's good. I promise you it's going to okay. be good. You know what, Xavier? I'm just, Don't make I know. me hurt you over I'm here. Just, uh, okay. You're like, oh, that's going to be a feature. Sip, sip. <laughs> so I was really thirsty. <laughs> Stop lying. So you lie, you lie, you lie, your breath stank. So, <laughs> so um, Cats is slated to come out December 20th, 2019. It's produced by Universal Pictures, and which is also produced by Universal Pictures is Wicked. So they pushed I... back the release date for Wicked to release Cats. That. But they're going to do... So, yeah, you know all about I Wicked. Love but Wicked. I love me some Wicked. Ooh, you, need, yes. you, need, you need to go see a documentary about yes. cats. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then on a personal note, a friend of mine named Albert Lawrence who came here and guest co-hosted Black Tomatoes with me when Scott was out unexpectedly one day has a short film. It's called Theo's Trade. And he had a big premiere for it this week yes, and everything. Right. And it went really well. He had over 105 people attend. So, yay, Albert. Nice. Congratulations. Congratulations. And that is that. So, um, let me see what else. I think that is it for us. But what I did want to talk about is next week, Scott Menzel and I will be at the Toronto Film Festival. And already I have some things lined up from that. Oh I'm so excited. so excited. So I was invited to attend the roundtable discussion for A Star is Born. For those of you that have been oh, under a rock. I wait for that movie. <laughs> I cannot wait. For those of you that have been under a rock, A Star is Born, this is, this is the third or the fourth version of this film. Really? Yes. It's the third. Of, I know it's the third. I know it was... There was one before it, but I didn't know. No, there's, there's, there were two. There oh, were two wow. Befo- there were two before the one with Barbra Streisand. Uh-huh. And then there's... Um, so there was one in the 30s. Mm-hmm. There was another one with um, Judy Garland. That's- then there was the one with Barbra Streisand, and now this one with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. So that one's coming she's out. She's going to kill it. Oh, it's God. already she's, gotten like... Oh, it's, she's gonna they it. got an eight-minute standing ovation she to tell you right. for this role. They got an eight-minute standing ovation to tell Yes, Gaga. So, I, oh, I so, so that's <laughs> about wait. to go down. Cannot so, wait. So Black Tomatoes and Black Hollywood Live was invited to cover that. I'm so yes. excited. Oh, my gosh. wait to do that. Congratulations. Thank you. And I also did some interviews with Chloe Sevigny mm-hmm. and Kristen Stewart for a film that they have out, coming out called Lizzie. Lizzie, okay. About Lizzie Borden. You know, Lizzie Borden mm-hmm. had an axe. Gave her mama 40 West when she saw what she had done. They've done that a number of times. They have, but you ain't seen it like this. Oh, okay. You ain't seen I will talk about it. I will talk about it, but you ain't seen it like this. And Chris, the the biggest thing about Lizzie is that this is a role for Kristen Stewart. Is she playing Lizzie? No, she, Chloe Seven Years playing Lizzie. Okay, okay. Kristen Stewart is playing 
the maid of the house that actually was there when the mm-hmm. murders took place. Mm-hmm. But she is... This role for her is going to be a game changer because you've never seen Kristen Stewart do this type of role oh, before. Oh, wow. Oh, and I want to hear that. And she's really, really, really good in it. She's really good in it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So next week, Scott and I will be reporting live nice. from the Toronto Film Festival. And then the following week after that, I think we'll both be back. I think we'll both be back. Yeah, I think we'll both be back. No, we won't be. I won't be back. Scott will be back. And then he'll be here with his lovely wife, Ashley Menzel. And they will do a recap of Toronto and Telluride on September 16th. And then Scott and I will be reporting from Toronto next week. Nice. Really excited. Doing big things. Doing big things here at the BHL. (laughs) Um, So the rating for the movies, what would you give Ken? Um, mismarketed and unfocused, but I love the CGI, so two out of five. I give it three. Mm. I give Operation Finale a three. Okay. <laughs> I give the Once in a Lifetime Sessions TLC, I would give that like a four-ish mm-hmm. because I think it's important what they have to say, and I think that people will listen to what they have to say. I have not seen Napoli Ever After yet, so I don't have a I rating for, for that. that. I can but wait it's going to be good. Yeah, that's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good. So that is it for episode 28 of Black Tomatoes. Thank you so much to my guest Thank co-host, so Mr. Xavier Jay Thomas, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Instagram.com slash Xavier J. Thomas and Instagram.com slash XJT Network. That's where I put all my reviews. And also on Stardust uh, app, download it, Xavier J. Thomas. Cool. And you can find me, your host of Black Tomatoes on Black Hollywood Live at The Curvy Critic across all social media platforms. Immediately following this, as always, you can find me doing the after show for General Hospital, which is on ABC. Thank you so much for joining us. And until Until next week, love, peace, and hair grease, y'all. Bye. (laughs) From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagrammy, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.